We believe, don't you believe with me, that God still does miracles today. We believe that he does that to advance his kingdom, his purposes, but also to bless us. Because he's such an incredible father. He's such an incredible um, companion, the Holy Spirit. He wants it to be well with us. The Bible says that he rejoices when it goes well with us. And so God takes no pleasure in your suffering. He does not. He takes pleasure in your, uh, in, your, in your well-being. He takes pleasure in you growing and advancing and overcoming. And so he has made everything available for you to be able to do just that because that's what brings him pleasure. And uh, our faith added to his desire to want us to advance pleases him even more. Uh, I have a, a life group in the week with uh, some of the staff members at the JMU University. Um, and this week we spoke about kingdom culture, the currency of the kingdom. What's the currency of the kingdom? JMU, shh, be, be quiet for a minute. What's the currency of our kingdom? Let me tell you, it's not the dollar. The currency of our kingdom is faith. What's the currency of the devil's kingdom? It's fear. It's fear. The world trades on fear. Did you know that? Like every, every single economic system is connected either to the kingdom of God or to the kingdom of the enemy. What do you do? What, what, what activates your economic responses? Is it fear or is it faith? So God wants us to act. To, to link our economy to his economy and to act only on faith, not on fear. And when tidings come our way that says to us things are going to go bad, we need to press into the presence of God and say, Lord, what do you have to say about this? Do I need to pivot? Do I need to change something? And if he affirms to you, keep going, then you act on faith not on the fear. You act on the word of God, not on the word that you just received from man, right? From, from the world. So if we add our faith, it pleases him even more. And his miracles testify to his, um, him being uh, supreme, him being superior to this world's systems. Because he can intervene on our behalf and he can change things here. We've often experienced this in our own lives through many times where we felt like literally God moved heaven and earth to make things possible for us to do. And, 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 and were, were there sometimes big challenges around that? Yes, but he kept moving things to make a way for us to be able to advance, to be able to succeed or to be able to stay safe. And so you will not, the, the bigger risk is to play it safe because of fear. You're safer playing it radical with Jesus in faith. And that's a mindset shift that each and every one of us has to make. But let me tell you that miracles is in the latter. <laughs> it's in the risk area. Miracles don't happen in the playing it safe area. They just don't. Because playing it safe, no miracles are needed. Because you got it. <laughs> when you step into things that you don't got, <laughs> you're not sure how it's going to work out. The risk area, that's where faith operates, but that's where miracles happen. And that's where God's glory is displayed as we're going to see again today. Man, if we can catch this, that God wants his glory displayed in this world. 
And he wants us to be bold as his children to try things. But you know, we become so afraid of failure because we're so insecure. What does failure say about me? Nothing except that you tried something bigger than you. Man, I like that kind of courage. Now get up and go try it again until you succeed. Let's listen to what Hebrews 2 said of the apostles as they stepped out right after Jesus sent him. He said, God added his witness to theirs. He validated their ministry with signs, astonishing wonders, and all kind of powerful miracles. And by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which he distributed as he desired. So God gave them incredible authority and incredible gifts by the Holy Spirit. Did he give the same to us? Yes, he gave the exact same authority and gifts to us so that we can do what? Just have fuzzy moments, goosebumps in church? No, so that we can go and affect things in this world, change things, do great things for God. In Daniel, there's a verse. I love that verse. I'm going to do a sermon series very soon about the powerful statements in the Old Testament. I don't know if you guys know, but there are some powerful moments in the Old Testament. I, I started writing them down. I thought I was going to write down five. It's going to be like one nice message. Yo, I'm at 13 already. Like just powerful statements in the Old Testament that just like show principle. But one of them is Daniel that says this, the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. The people who know their God will be strong. How do you feel about that? Are you, are, you, are you excited? Like, yes, let's go. If not, I want to encourage you. Get to know God more. Dig deeper into who he is and in his kingdom. You can't live in the perspective of an almighty creator wanting something to happen on earth that's not currently happening and think, oh, it's just okay. I can just stay where I am at. No, it challenges you. It provokes you. I need to do more. I need to try more. I need to do something to help my piece in this puzzle come to pass. And let me tell you, I'm incredibly honored with our, with our church because I know you guys are men and women of faith. You've stepped out in so many things in your, your journey that I'm only here today to cheer you on. I know I'm not telling you to do something you're not yet doing. But if it happens to be that you find yourself that you've not really activated in this, I hope today activates you. Know God. Get free and start making disciples and letting him use you in powerful ways. Right? In Acts 1.8, he said this, You will receive power when he has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Let me tell you, God wants to use you I don't care who you are. Here's the beauty of God. He wants you involved in what he's doing. I mean, powerful as he is, he can do anything and everything himself, right? But he set this world up in such a way that he does need us to be involved. He wanted that. And so he designed it like that. You are needed. <laughs> you are required in a, in, a, in, a, in a sense for his perfect plan to come to pass. So, Let's move into more of that. So I hope that we'll leave here today to just continue to, you know, pursue that purpose that God has placed on each and every one of our hearts. All right. So right now I want you to stand with me if you can. And we want to make a, 
confession to position ourselves to the Word of God. So get out your Bible. All right. Are you ready? If you have been working at the building, you're allowed to stay seated. I know. Like, I'm on a four Advil morning, like, you know, just trying to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to make it. <laughs> That's a reference to Phil. Um, <laughs> he always says that. <laughs> it's going to be a four Advil day today. <laughs> All right, y'all. Let's position ourselves to this word. Say this with me. One, two, three. This is the word of God. I am who it says I am, and I can do what it says I can do. Therefore, I declare boldly, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have been forgiven and set free. I have mountain-moving faith. The Holy Spirit empowers me to be a witness. My heart is receptive. My mind is alert. I'm ready to receive from the incorruptible, imperishable, everlasting Word of God. Today's Word will accomplish all that it's sent out to do in me. I will never be the same. Heavenly Father, change us into your son's image. Help us to become more like you and help us to release more of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, amen. Let's take our seats. Today we're going to take a look at the miracle that is recorded in the book of John. So join me in the book of John, the gospel of John, right after Luke chapter 9. And we're going to read... The first seven verses. The first seven verses. I want to encourage you to make notes in your Bible. Don't be afraid. It's not sacrilegious. This is your playbook. This is your handbook for life. This is your owner's manual. You need to be in it and making notes and making highlights so you can remind yourself of things God spoke to you in His presence and take it with you into the next seasons of your life. So just use this as a workbook. Chapter 9, verse 1 says this. And as he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither. But because of his blindness, you will see God work a miracle for him. As long as it is day, we must do what the one who sent me wants me to do. When night comes, no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light for the world. And Jesus said this, as he said this, after he said this, he spat on the ground and he made some mud and smeared it on the man's eyes. And then he said, go wash off the mud in Siloam pool. The man went and washed in Siloam, which means one who is sent And when he had washed off the mud, he could see. I read that portion of scripture out of the contemporary English version. And I'm going to say in a minute why. But let me read the first verse. The first three verses for you all in the ESV. As as he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, who sent this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. There's a slight difference in the translation. I'll, I'll allude to that in a minute. But the background of this is that Jesus had just had one of the most fiery interactions 
with the pharisaical sect, um, <laughs> I think, recorded. I mean, he just, he, he basically challenged them with their own sinfulness when they tried to stone a woman who had been caught in adultery. By the way, just the woman, not the guy who committed the adultery with her. Um, so hip, hip, hypocritical deluxe. And, and, and so Jesus confronted them with their own sin and hypocrisy. And then he, he challenged their teachings by saying that he has the words of life and his word is truth and that truth will set them free from the delusion that they're under. And then he called them Satan's children and he elevated himself above Abraham and called and told them that he was God. All right. So just imagine a man <laughs> doing that to you as a, a religious authority. Like, I mean, he just went for it in this interaction with them. To the point where they go from, you know, being like real, like ashamed and putting the stones down and, and, and walking away to, I guess, some of them, you know, picking them same stones back up and being willing to stone him again for what he was saying. I mean, you just, it's all happening in this previous chapter, chapter eight, right? And so, um, <laughs> so Jesus kind of you know, um, he retreats and he heats himself and he, he, he moves out of the temple. And as he goes out of the temple and he moves on, the Bible says, and as he went, he walked past this blind man. Now, we don't know how they know that he was blind from birth, but obviously later on the context, this is a story being told after the fact. So they put in the information as they write, this man was born blind. So the next question is kind of weird, right? Was it because of this man's sin? Like, when would he have sinned? Like, y'all, he was born blind. Like, did he sin, like, before he was born? Did he sin in his mother's womb? Right? You know, so to understand that, you have to understand a little bit of the context of the time. Some of the Jews actually believed that um, people exist in some form before they, are, before they become humans. And that they are able to sin or, you know, do things wrong. Some of them believed in reincarnation. And so the question, as kind of like absurd as it might seem, isn't as absurd as you understand the context of, you know, some of the people and what their beliefs were. They truly believed that a person could be punished in this life because of stuff that happened before this life. Um, or that, you know, the biblical reference, God visits the sins of the fathers to the sons and blah, 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 to the fourth generation. So they were assuming maybe, the, you know, his parents sinned. And now this poor man was punished by God because of somebody's sin. So it's amazing, um, you know, that you can see the theological debate that started in the temple between the Pharisees and Jesus, it's almost like it doesn't stop, right? <laughs> um, and Jesus, in the midst of all this, this is the amazingness of Jesus, in the midst of all these theological things and questions and blah, 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 Jesus actually notices this man. So, so who do you normally try to ignore when you stop at a stop at a, at, a, at, a, at a red light, you know, it's the guy on the corner, right? <laughs> that shows you that he needs money, right? We're like, I can't see that guy. I can't see that guy. I can't see that guy. <laughs> We're so human and so, and so, so, um, you know, like it, it's so hard for us to, 
to, to accept that that person is there and to, and to acknowledge that person that that person is there. And, and, and don't, you understand, don't, don't you have the internal debates like I do? It's like, you know, should, why should I have to give you know, money to that person? I don't, you know, and, and, and then there's the, but Jay, you don't know his story. Like, man, you, you don't even know why he's there. It might be like, you know, he might not want to be there. And, 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 and you know, there are, and, and can you see how much time goes by with this internal debate? You know, these boys would just brave enough to have the debate outside with Jesus. It's like, so, so who caused this man to be blind? Let's have a real cool discussion about this, Jesus, right? Meanwhile, I'm like flat out ignoring this man's plight. And, I, you know, I don't have to worry about that, man, because I'm engaging in something of substance here now, man. Like, you know, what if this person is just out there to get money for drugs? Or what if this person is just like, you know what, I'm really considering this matter on a, you know, and, and then the light goes green. And I go like, oh, well, you know, so maybe I'll settle that one day, you know. And then one day comes the next light and you go like, hmm, what was I saying to myself again? <laughs> and so we're just, <laughs> we're just excusing ourselves from seeing somebody with all these intellectual engagements that we're having. I think that was what was happening here. But in the midst of all this, right, Jesus, the Bible says he saw the man that was blind. I mean, he had just all, literally fled for his life, y'all. And Jesus has the time to see this man. If Jesus saw that man, let me tell you something. Jesus sees everyone. Jesus sees you. Jesus won't miss you. If he saw that man that has been there, how long? Forever since he was born. Like everybody's used to seeing that guy. What happens to somebody that you see every day? You don't see him anymore. But Jesus saw that man. And I believe that this reveals just the incredibleness of Jesus. He's about to reveal his glory. He's about to reveal who he is. His standard, his approach, the way he sees things, the way he does things. He's about to show his disciples this. And so he's, his disciples are there, you know, wanting to to. to, to to divert the attention away from, um, from the situation by, by this, this intellectual encounter with Jesus. Um, and you see that Jesus' response clearly does something. He clearly does not engage <laughs> in everything that they were about at that moment. And he does this. He calls them to action. He says to them, none of what you're saying is relevant right now. Here's what's relevant. Here's a man that needs our help. What are we going to do about it? I believe this is, this is important. Jesus wants to pull our attention away from the, you know, the existential. That just means the, the meaning of things and the, the what ifs, like, well, if I give this to this guy, is he going to do the right thing by it? Well, he wants to pull our attention and, and just help. Just manifest the kingdom. Just go and listen to a story. Just bring what you have. 
in the moment. And this does not just relate to people that are in the same disposition as this man. It relates to anybody that crosses your path that you have something to give to. It might be the word of encouragement. It might be love. It might be um, forgiveness. It might be whatever it is that you need to, that God prompts you in that moment. When he prompts you, he's not inviting you to an intellectual debate or an existential discussion. He's calling you to action. He's asking you to do something, even if it's something small. But he's asking you to do something. Jesus dismisses the argument, shuts it down, and he redirects his, the, the, his disciples' attention back to the human. It's so easy to dehumanize things. But Jesus draws his attention back to the human, the person in front of them. How many of you have uh, seen somebody that is sick or, you know, uh, sad or etc. And then you feel like, man, maybe I should go pray for them. And you go like, yeah, but you know what? Does God really still heal? What if God doesn't heal them? And there we go again. <laughs> it's so quick. It happens so quick. We can get ourselves into, into here instead of staying here. I believe God wants us to stay here and see the person. And you know what? I'm going to go to that person. And even if God doesn't heal them, that person's going to leave knowing that, that, that I love them enough to notice. To go and sit with them for a minute. And to encourage them. And to say, hey, look, you know, uh, I'm going I'm to stand with you. I'm like, How can I help? Don't try avoid the situations that God presents to you in the day. I think it's literally just flipping that switch to say, hey, I got something to give, even if it's just attention. You know how much attention means to people? Attention, noticing them. I think we do well as a church, but let us be encouraged by this, uh, 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 this, this, this display of who Jesus is, his glory being revealed in this matter. Just say, keep going with that. Let us not grow weary in doing good for one another. Let us continue noticing one another and being there for each other. Because through doing that, we're displaying the kingdom. Another translation says, um, neither this man nor his parents sin, but so the kingdom, so that the, the, the will of God might be made manifest. So that God's will might actually come and become a reality. Nothing becomes a reality through the internal debate. Something becomes at least a reality through me shaking a hand, putting a hand on a shoulder, praying, giving a hug. And if it's appropriate, giving some money. I know we don't want to enable people, and, but we also don't want to use that as an excuse to not respond to anybody either. So... I know that there's some deeper questions in this, in, this in this verse, verse 3 especially, that I don't know if you notice it, but if you do, I want to say something about it. Verse 3 in many translations say this. Um, if you're a person that likes words, 
and really understands the meaning of words like I am. Well, sorry, that came out wrong. If you person that pays attention to the meaning of words um, and words matter, the meaning matter to you, you will read this chapter and the third verse will say, it was not this man that this man sent or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And this verse is pretty contentious because some people would argue that that means, therefore, that God caused this man's blindness so that later in his life he might heal him and display his glory. I think that we need to make sure that we understand the heart of this verse correctly so that we don't misunderstand the character of God. Nothing sick or ill-formed comes from God. These things are a reality in our world because of the presence of sin that came about through man's decision to align with Satan, not through God's alliance with man. God did not initiate this. He did not initiate the brokenness in this world. The fact that things in this world happen that are challenging to us, um, seemingly non-deserving things. We have quite a few um, uh, families in our church that have children who suffer from developmental challenges. And I want you to know that this verse by no means mean that God directly caused that to happen. The best way you can explain that is that because God allowed for mankind to have the type of interaction with this world and mankind's interaction has the effect of this world being broken, therefore things not happening perfectly in this world is probably indirectly because God chose that. But then you have to go and ask, why did God choose to allow man to have that type of influence in this world? And when you study that deeply, you understand that there is no way God could have had a meaningful relationship with you. And you could have a meaningful relationship with him if he did not allow that condition. And so God is not to be blamed here. And so here's, here's what we got to understand about translations of Greek language to English. You know that little statement that says, hey, let's eat kids. Can change radically when you put a little comma before the word kids. Hey, let's eat kids. Punctuation saves lives, okay? <laughs> All of y'all Cajun texts. Bruh, let me tell you something. Oh my goodness. Use some punctuation, please. And a capital here and there, you know, uppercase letter or a sum so I can just see where your sentence and your next thought starts. I'm, sometimes I'm there, Lord, I need the interpretation right now here because... I'm reading this, but it does not make sense. What is he saying to me? All right. It's okay. It keeps me close to God. <laughs> but did you know that the Greek, original Greek text, Greek in its original form has no punctuation? Zero. There are no spaces between words and there is no punctuation. 
So imagine trying to read that. And the only way you can, you can discern punctuation is through context and how they emphasize certain syllables and certain words. So let me just say that this book you're holding here is a marvel of translation. Because of how difficult it is and how accurate it actually is, this book is trustworthy, y'all. Don't take for what I'm right now saying right now as that makes you any formal way lose your trust in the Bible. This is incredible. In this verse, there is a slight difference in some translations. And the one translation would, if I free translate, it would say this. This man didn't sin, his parents didn't sin, but this happened so that the glory of God might be displayed or the works of God might be displayed. That's how some translate it. Here's how other people translate it. This man didn't sin, neither did his parents, period. Let the works of God be displayed in this man. The one describes purpose. The other one describes command, action. The one says, this hath, God did this. But the other one says, here's what God's going to do now. And so for me, if I look at the character of God, the Bible says he is good. That only good and perfect things come directly from him. It's hard for me to go and say, okay, good. I believe that God made this man blind so that. I think that the punctuation, and, and there, are, there are many scholars that believe this with me, that would say this verse had a, there's a, a particular way in a, a Greek like um, emphasis word that, that if you put it as a new sentence, and if, if you put it as a continuous sentence, it changes that sentence emphasis slightly. But here's the emphasis that I believe the verse that we discussed uh, the, same, uh, the, 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 the translation we discussed says this. It says, was it this man's sin or his parents' sin that caused him to be born blind? Jesus said, no, it wasn't. But because of his blindness, you will see the work of God happen in his life. And so we don't have to try and, you know, ask, did God cause this? Did God not cause this? In my mind, I find it difficult to pray against something that God caused. But... I know the goodness of God, and I know that God's will is for us to establish his kingdom. There is no such thing as blindness in his kingdom. There is no such thing as um, calamity and sickness and all that. And so if we are to express his kingdom, I think that he wants us to respond with the mindset. We don't know why this happened, but here's what's going to happen now. Here's what's going to happen now. I am going to pray and you're going to receive healing in his name. Trying to answer all that just puts us right back into that place, doesn't it? Where his disciples was forgetting what was really going on. But Jesus says, no, don't focus on that. Focus on what needs to happen here now. You've been empowered to make a difference right here. Do it. Do it. So I want to ask you this. Do we still see people? And do we still trust God to, to respond if we step out? And I believe that, you know, we need to be a church that notices people and who believe that God wants to help them. And there might be many people that are going through rough things and they might ask you, but why did this happen? Why did this happen? You know, Sometimes it's not 
the time to go into the theological debate about it. It's just like, I don't know why this happened, but can we start thinking about what's going to happen now? Can I give you some steps to take right now that will change this? That'll bring you to God, that'll help you connect back with him. Back with his his people. Come walk with me and I'll show you what's going to happen now. Let's be that kind of church. You know, here's a, here's a, a, a thought for, for you. If, if you're the one that is receiving the miracle, because the miracle here was obviously Jesus makes mud from dust with his spit. Um, verse 6 to 7 says, after this, let me just get that again. I need to get the, should have kept it open. We're all still getting used to using our paper Bibles. Verse 6 says the following. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means the one who is sent or sent. He went and washed and came back seeing. Can you see how Jesus calls us to obey him? I mean, he could have... Healed the person's eyes right there, right? I mean, he, he opened the one person's hearing. So why couldn't he do that? Why did he have to do that? I don't know. But why are we in the debate again already again? <laughs> what did Jesus tell him to go do? And did he go do it? Yes. Did it work? Yes. Was he healed? Yes. But check what happened. It was not just that he was healed. I don't, Jesus might have, might have sent him away. To get him out of, you know, contact with people that would tell him it's not going to work. Or might have sent him away. Now, think about this a little bit. Is this, can this man see at this point? No, and worse, now he has mud on his eyes, right? <laughs> so sometimes we think of these things like, Jesus, how insensitive, man. Really? This guy can't see Now you mess up his face and you tell him to walk to a place to go and wash. We don't know why Jesus did this. But the fact is when the man obeyed it, it worked and it accomplished the manifest kingdom in this man's life. Can we we move past the, the challenging of God the whole time? Why did you do it this way, Lord? Why did you do it this way, Lord? And just do what he says. Just get into what he told you to do. You will see miracles happen when that, when that is, is in your life. That's what he wants for us. He calls us to obey him. And when we do, we see the miraculous take place. I think of Romans 8.28 that says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. Once again, this verse doesn't say that God causes the bad things. He says God's, God's entering the bad things in your life. And he's continuing to work for the good for you in this moment. You know, there's another go verse in the Bible. You know where that is? We'll talk about that one in a minute. 
Many of our miracles is going to be in the going. It's not going to be in the sitting around and waiting. The last thought I want to believe to you today is that Jesus never leaves us or abandons us. A little further on in that same chapter, this man goes through almost through hell and back. He, he's first challenged by his neighbors. How do you see? And then people say, no, this isn't the man. And he's like, I am the man. I am he. You know, I had an am he, I am he moment one time when I tried to cross into the border security into America. And I had, first of all, two different passports. This one had expired, but it had my visa. This one was the new passport, but it also had a Schengen visa for Europe. And so I gave all of these things to this person. So he opened up the one passport, the expired passport with my U.S. visa in it. He goes like, he says, this one's expired. Okay, so this is what this one's for? Okay, good. So he, I said, the visa isn't that one. He flips to my visa. He goes like this. He puts that one down. He goes to the other one. He flips this one open. He, he's even more star, like, and he flips to the, and he flips through it. He goes, he sees my Schengen visa, and he's like, it's like I'm looking at five different people. <laughs> so because of my beard and my hair and all the different styles that I've been wearing in my life, I start looking at that for the first time through his eyes. I go like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> And so he's just sitting with all these things and he's going like this and he's looking at me. He's four people here and another one in front of him and no one is looking like each other. And I have to go like, it is me. I am he. <laughs> this man is like, I, it is me. This man healed me. And he's trying to explain. How many of you have had to try and explain a miracle to people before? It's, sometimes it's hard. Oh, but did it really happen? Like, look here. It happened. <laughs> My hair's still wet. I washed the butt off. And then they drag him in front of the leaders. And like, well, why did he heal you on the Sabbath? I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there going like, okay, is it the Sabbath today? Let me go ask Jesus to heal me today. It just happened to me. I'm just saying what happened. Y'all, you just have to say what happened. You don't have to defend it. You don't have to. This man goes above and beyond. They start challenging him about, you know, well, who is this Jesus and blah, blah, blah. And, they, and he's like, he gets, real, he gets real rich with him. He's like, <laughs> so y'all don't even know where this man comes from. And you mean to tell me that, you know, he didn't heal me. <laughs> like to the point where they excommunicate him out of the temple. He's no longer allowed to come to the temple. So he gets persecuted for just telling the good things that God has done. But here's the beauty of what is revealed in verse 35 to 38. It says, Your Jesus heard that they had cast him out and having found him, <laughs> having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, referring to, <laughs> you have seen him when you were blind, when he made you well, and now you see him because it is he who is speaking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. 
God wants to do miracles in your life so that you will see him for who he truly is and that you will worship him. But let me tell you this. He will not leave you alone or deserted. Remember that other go verse? (laughs) Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Verse 19 says the following. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And then it ends by saying, I have commanded you to do everything I commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Doesn't matter what you go through in your journey. Jesus is not going to leave you. He's not going to let you be alone. Um, And as you are living this risk life and seeing these incredible things happen, and you come up against adversity, know that he is with you every step of the way. And your response is that, Lord, I see you, I believe you, and I'll worship you. If we can live from that place, if we can live from that place of seeing Christ, man, our faith will be so strong. We'll be able to go through anything that this life throws at us. We'll be able to trust him for miracles to happen. And so when we started off this, this series, we, we said that, you know, God's glory is revealed in his miracles. He does miracles so that doubting hearts may believe. I'm trusting that in any form or way where you still have doubt in your life, that God's, God will lead you to places where your doubting heart may believe. That the miracles reveal to us who he truly is. He gives us these miracles so that we can be bold. This man was nobody. And yet he spoke to the disciples, to the Pharisees. And their response was, are you now teaching us? <laughs> How's that for boldness? How's that for boldness? Do you want some boldness in your life? Get with God. Step out with him. Let him trust him for the impossible. Let him do some amazing things in your life. So that your boldness might be activated. So that you can start saying to mountains, no, this is what we're going to do together. This is what's going to happen. Jesus is the true representation of God. That's what we see. Jesus brings the kingdom through miracles. He said elsewhere, if I cast out a demon by the hand of God, if I heal somebody, the kingdom of God comes in that moment. And here's another thing we learned. He's activated by our faith not necessarily by our need. And that he isn't interested in any position other than the Lord of your life. Many people wanted to accept him as a prophet, as a good man, as a great God. He said, no, thank you. I am Lord or I'm nothing. But if you will come and worship at his feet, who is this that I may believe? It is him. You have seen him. And it is Him who is speaking to you now. I believe, Lord. I believe. Let's believe God for incredible things. Let's see this pursuit of miracles become a reality for each and every one of you. Pray with one another for things that you think is impossible. Start the journey. Risk with Jesus. He's going to do amazing things through us. Amen.
Amen. Let's all stand. Today, I want to ask you if there's anything that you are trusting Him for, whether you need healing in your body, whether it's whether you need something to happen in your, um, in your, um, maybe in your in your provision. Maybe it's something that happens in relationships. Maybe maybe you need an intervention in your marriage. May, whatever it is that you need Jesus for, I want to pray over that. So I'm going to make an opportunity for you guys to come forward and then we're going to dismiss people. So let's all just be prayerful. Let's close our eyes. If you need Jesus to intervene on your behalf, you did, you need him to fix something, do something, heal something that is outside of your control or outside of your power to do so. Don't you want to come forward? And we'll pray over you today. I'm going to give you a minute to consider that right now. So everybody's praying. Just step out. Just say to people next to you, I'm sorry. I need to go get with Jesus. considering how you need to respond, how you ought to respond. But you saying, you responding is you saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you to help me. I can't do this on my own. He is ready. He's ready. Are you? Are you ready to acknowledge him as Lord? If you've kind of been doing things your own way and you've kind of like just maybe not obeyed to the extent that you feel that you've needed to and, and you want to come forward and just acknowledge that He's your Lord and that you give your life again to Him and allow Him to lead you again, won't you come forward too? Just come and step out of your aisle and just come stand here with us in the front. There's no shame in putting your hand in the hand of your Creator. You know, He formed you from the dust of the earth. It's amazing how He took mud and, and formed eyes. It just points back to the Word that became flesh, created the whole universe, created man from the dust. How would he not create eyes from dust? Of course. Jesus was just proclaiming his deity through that act. But he wants to be God for you. He wants to be not just, not just Savior, but Lord. That's for you. Why don't you step out and just come and give your life to him. There's a wrestle in your heart right now. I think you need to get out of that mind debate. Do I come? Should I come? What if I come? Don't worry about that. He's going to take care of that. You just respond. You just respond. He's calling you to obey his call, his, his encouragement on the inside of your heart.
Thank you, Lord. Father, we just, we just first want to humble ourselves before you. Lord, you know it all. You know us. And you love us.